The world is wrong. Hello, Drudgeheads, and welcome back to the Drudgecast. This week's episode is a bit of a special one because this week what we're looking at is the letter F. And not that the letter F is particularly special, well, I'm speciable. Speciable? It's not particularly speciable, really. No, not speciable. There are many lovely words you can say with the letter F. Uh, fantastic. Fellatio. Forensic. Figment. F- uh, there are loads. But that's not why it's so special this week. It's going to be a special one because we're going to be looking at fairy tales. Because this week, F is for fairy tales. And that's fairy spelled F-A-E-R-I-E. Not F-A-E-R-I. That's a fairy story about me. Sorry, I'm the worst. I really am. Really, since I adopted the name Re, my name comes up absolutely everywhere. I didn't appreciate quite how recurrent, common a syllable Re is until people started saying things like, can you redo this? Or, let's reschedule. Then you become that person that says, sure, I can redo that. That's my name. Redo. That's what redo. Reschedule? You want to get on the reschedule with you? Redo your schedule, baby. And reschedule. I wonder why I don't have any friends. It's really a mystery. A mystery. A mystery. I'm the worst. Anyway, it's fairy, spelled F-A-E-R-I-E, in a nod to the fae, that's F-A-E which is another word for fairy. This has both positive and negative associations for the queer community. People have used the word fairy as a slur against gay people over time, queer people. And in the way that both the words gay and queer have been repurposed by the LGBTQI community, it can also be a positive term of empowerment and endearment. Some people identify as fae in terms of their gender identity, which I suppose speaks to a sense of rising above limited human ideas of what gender is and can be. A sense of, this world seems to want to limit me, so I must be of another world, otherworldly, a fairy, I must be fae. There are also groups like the Radical Fairies, spelled F-A-E-R-I-E-S, who are seeking to expand queer consciousness through secular spiritualism in a spiritual way that has no links with formalised religion, although there are elements of correlations with paganism in it, from what I understand from my fledgling knowledge and involvement with the group. So there are lots of links between fairies, fairy tales and queerness, but there aren't, as far as I'm aware, many actual queer fairy tales. Though that is changing. I picked up a copy of Kevin Walker's book, Queer Folk Tales, not so long ago. And what it does is it retells classic, popular and obscure fairy tales as stories of queerness, with some of Walker's own thrown in too. Walker is a storyteller by trade and decided to, after having been a storyteller for a long time and found not many tales with certainly not any sense of queerness in them, let alone positive versions of queerness in them, decided to take that matter into his own hands. As a collection, Queer Folk Tales is excellent. The stories are funny and moving and reading them really inspired me to do this particular podcast. So specifically this week, we're going to be looking or even re-looking, stop it, at the tale of the lion and the unicorn. So when paired together, the lion and the unicorn have come to be symbols of the United Kingdom. If you have a British passport, you'll see them printed on the front. The lion represents England and was adopted as such a figurehead around the 1300s by the family of Richard I, who was known as Richard the Lionheart. 
The unicorn represents Scotland and was adopted as such around the same time under King Robert. There seems to be nothing for Wales or Northern Ireland on the emblem that I can see that on this emblem that carries the lion and the unicorn and that seems to be because the origin of this pairing in history in the history of Great Britain is from the early 17th century when King James VI of Scotland became King James I of England after the death of Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I herself is said to have had a cup made of a substance called alicorn which it was believed was the horn of a unicorn. An alicorn is also the name for a winged unicorn a pegasus with a horn. The lion and the unicorn are regarded by many as natural enemies. According to American historian Elias Waters, this story dates back to the ancient Babylonians around 3500 BC. Apparently, the unicorn's other natural enemy is the elephant, and the unicorn would always beat the elephant in any fights that might occur between them. In the most commonly known story of the lion and the unicorn that we'll be looking into, the lion beats the unicorn which sort of makes a new version of rock, paper, scissor. Lion, elephant, unicorn. Unicorn beats elephant, and elephant beats lion, and lion beats unicorn. Or, at least, that's how the story goes. When King James I came to the English throne in 1603, he wasn't very popular, and he was strongly compelled to try to bring a sense of unity with his ascension to the throne of England, though the Kingdom of Great Britain itself wasn't to be formed officially until 1707. In 1603, with King James VI of Scotland becoming King James I of England, the kingdoms of England, Scotland and Ireland were united in what's known as a personal union, meaning when two countries are united by having the same leader, yet remain separate in every political, legal and religious sense. So, to give that sense of unity, however informal in reality it was, the Tudor dragon was removed from the royal emblem and the unicorn inserted alongside the lion, which I'm sure will annoy any Welsh listeners as the Welsh animal symbol is a dragon. Or fans of dragons. The lion and the unicorn, whilst also being symbols for the United Kingdom, is a popular nursery rhyme that some of you may know. This is roughly how it goes. The lion and the unicorn were fighting for the crown. The lion beat the unicorn all around the town. Some gave them white wet, some gave them brown. Some gave them plum cake and drum them out of town. On the Scottish coat of arms, the unicorn is in chains, as you'll still see if you look at a UK passport to this day, old or new. This fits with the history of the relationship of the lion and the unicorn and what they are supposed to symbolise. For in the same century as King James VI of Scotland became King James I of England, Scotland was invaded and ultimately subjugated by Oliver Cromwell's new model army during the English Civil War, at least until Cromwell's death in 1658. The lion really did beat the unicorn all around the town, and the three times over seems to be in reference to the series of wars that happened between Scotland and England, and at times Ireland, over the course of the first half of the 17th century. The lion and the unicorn also makes an appearance in Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There which is the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. The lion and the unicorn are fighting over the White King's crown, which in the grand scheme of the story is odd, as the unicorn is on the white side. The lion is on the red side, and is depicted as slow and a bit dim, contrary to the long-standing association of the lion with England for its bravery and honour, though in Through the Looking Glass, the lion is still the better fighter. The unicorn believes that Alice is a monster, though he promises to believe in her reality, that she is not some horrific myth, 
if she will believe in him. In a broad sense, the lion and the unicorn have come to be a symbol or allegory for two opposed warring entities or figures. Now, why have I decided to talk about all of this this week? Well, I feel that fairy tales, and that's fairy spelled F-A-I-R-Y, are very important parts of our collective psyche. The way we understand ourselves and each other, how we communicate big ideas, almost by distraction, like sneaking a pill for your cat or dog inside a piece of ham, say, or a piece of fish. You're putting a, a broader, less palatable idea inside the body of princes, princesses, dragons, and other mythical beasts. And like I said earlier, it doesn't seem that there are, certainly from the canon of fairy tales that we're most familiar with, don't seem to be any truly queer fairy tales. And that is again, fairy with an IE on the end from the word fae. I'm researching this podcast, I come across so many new terms all the time that I wasn't familiar with, so many ways of expressing gender and identity. Uh, the new term I came across recently is gender fae, which means to occupy many genders, but never an entirely male or masculine gender, which I can relate to. So you might occupy a butch female gender as well as a non-binary in-between sort of gender, but you're expressly not male or masculine. And some use gender doe instead, wishing to be respectful of cultures that revere fairies or fae things. And the opposite of gender fae would be gender fawn or gender mars, occupying multiple genders but never female or feminine. Queer people are certainly doing their bit to keep the dictionary people busy. So this week, I want to add to the growing canon of queer fairy tales. What I've come up with has proved to be too long to release in one episode, so I'm going to release it in two parts, this week and next week. I oh know, look at me, I've sold out already. I've taken one small story and stretched it out as long as possible, rinsed all the revenue of advertisers who are clamouring, frothing at the mouth to buy space on a whimsical podcast about gender. It's like The Hobbit all over again. It's the queer Hobbit. And so, this week, I bring you... The Fairy Tale of the Lion and the Unicorn The Lion and the Unicorn were fighting for the crown. At least, that's what they were supposed to be doing. At that very precise moment, stood in a clearing of Quark Forest, each one trying to fiercely stare the other one down, one flashing its claws with menace, the other bearing its horn with venom. Neither the Lion nor the Unicorn truly knew quite what to do. They had been put there, essentially, against their own will. But they couldn't let that show. They were, after all, staring down the representative of the enemy. The island of Multivus was once a great, prosperous, unified land. The people of Multivus were happy and harmonious, and among them all were all the imaginable varieties of what a person from Multivus could be. But divisions and disagreements started to emerge. People began to flee from one side to another, and before long, the island was in danger of being split completely in two. The lion had been sent by the people of one side of the island, to fight and defeat the other side of the island. The other side of the island had sent the unicorn as their defendant. The lion glared at the unicorn, its proud eyes steaming with concentrated anger. My people have sent me to fight you, unicorn, the lion boomed. But now I see you, I think my eyes must deceive me. What are you? Who are you? You a unicorn? <laughs> Why, such creatures are the stuff of fairy tales, kiddie stuff. I don't believe this, I don't believe in you. The unicorn glared back and said to the lion, Lion, I will believe in you if you believe in me. How can I believe in you? Spat the lion through its russet mane. Where I come from, unicorns do not exist. Where anyone comes from, they do not exist. 
This is some stupid, disrespectful joke your charlatan people are playing on me and my people. You say you are a unicorn? <laughs> How do I know you're not just a horse with an ice cream cone on your head? Have you ever thought to ask if you can touch it and find out? Replied the unicorn softly. Touch it? The lion shuddered all over its body at the suggestion. Why to touch it would be the worst thing I could do. I'd probably turn into a unicorn myself. The unicorn smiled. But I thought unicorns couldn't exist. Didn't exist. Yeah, you don't. And I'm not going to touch your horn as much as I know you'd love that. You'll probably cast a spill on me. The unicorn stared in amused frustration at the lion. Well, if you think I'm capable of casting spells on you, I guess you'd better treat me with a bit more respect, eh? And you'd better treat me with respect, the lion roared. If you don't want me to maul you and an ice cream cone head to a billion pieces. I do respect you, said the unicorn calmly. I'll keep my ice cream cone head to myself. For now. Haha, <laughs> so you admit it, the lion growled sardonically. Admit what? That I have a horn on my head that to some eyes looks like an ice cream cone. Yes, I suppose I do. But what does that change about who I am? The unicorn looked almost sad. I'm still the same, I'm still me. And you, the lion barked. Don't exist, you just can't, it's not possible. Well, I say that I do. And you would prove that I don't exist by fighting me, I suppose. The unicorn crossed its hooves with an indignant smirk. Why, you'd just be fighting with yourself, wouldn't you? Fighting with myself? The lion reared onto its hind legs, eyes contorted and stretching under the weight of its rage. How dare you disrespect me? I'll show you fighting with myself! The lion went to leap towards the unicorn, but stopped after several paces. Oh, I see what you mean, the unicorn whinnied gleefully. But I have to fight you, the lion bellowed sounding almost like a stroppy teenage lion cub. That's what my people have commanded me to do. Enough is enough. This island is ours, always has been ours, and I'm here to fight you and defeat you and take it back as is our right. And I'm here to fight you, mused the unicorn, starting to really enjoy itself, the nerves of battle melting in the hot sun like the supposed ice cream cone on its head. But the question is, how can we fight? How can you win back the island for your people? If I do not exist, the lion paused on its paws, its face sunken in deep, troubled thought. Its claws tensed and relaxed pensively. Hmm. I wasn't expecting an existential debate. I came here for a fight. And so did I, replied the unicorn. But here we are. Me, an imaginary unicorn, and you, a genuine lion. Or are you imaginary too? Do you not exist either? Of course I'm real, of course I exist! Howled the lion, digging its claws into the earth. It shook its head and the ground shook beneath. Enough! I came for a fight and I'm going to have it. Let's just say you are a horse with an ice cream cone on your head. Either way, it won't matter when you're dead. The lion leaped towards the unicorn, all four paws outstretched. The unicorn ducked beneath the mound of raging fur flying towards it and lightly grazed one of the lion's paws as it swept through to the other side. The lion yowled in pain. Ow! My paw! The unicorn caught its breath and collected itself and grinned back at the lion, wincing as it rose to its paws. <laughs> Pretty sharp for an ice cream cone, right? Trickery! Grunted the lion, pulling its face into a taut grimace to conceal its pain. 
There must be a spike made to look like an ice cream cone. What a ridiculous creature you are. You will pay for your deception. The lion charged towards the unicorn and, again, the unicorn effortlessly sidestepped the rushing torrent of fur and fury, nicking the lion's side with its horn. Ah! What black magic is this? It's more rainbow magic, I'd say. The unicorn giggled, unable to contain its giddy amusement at how the lion's anger had turned it into a blundering fool. The lion, licking its wounds, though finding it very unamusing, was coming to the same realisation. This creature, whatever it was, would not be defeated in a blind rage. The lion had to see it for what it was. The unicorn stared back at the lion, batting its eyes playfully, enjoying itself more and more. The sight before the lion just didn't seem real. A white, horse-like being with a rainbow-coloured mane and a long, silvery cone-shaped horn. It was not real, so the lion had to make it so. The lion thought of all the creatures to hunt in the forest back on its side of the island. Horses, gazelles, zebras. That's it. It was just another one of them, dressed up as something that it wasn't, playing at some childish game, taunting the lion. The lion smiled, watching the form before it transform into a gazelle, its white body becoming striped with deep blacks and browns, its eyes filling with fear and innocence, its horns splitting into two and becoming forked in shape and darker in colour. This was reality. This was a fight the lion could win. So, you're a pretty good fighter, it would seem, the lion said in a low rumble, pacing about the clearing. The unicorn confidently mirrored its progress, so they continued to circle each other from opposing sides. Pretty good, that is, for a gazelle. The unicorn stopped in its tracks, tilting its head in irritated confusion. A gazelle? Where did you get that from? I must say, gazelle, you've done a fantastic job at presenting yourself as this mythical, magical creature. The lion pursued with its purposeful pacing, its voice becoming thicker with rich gravitas. The unicorn recovered itself and had to trot to regain step with the lion. I applaud you, I really do. There's not many that could take on a lion such as me and score a few blows. Your gazelle kin will make a proud grave for you when this is all over. I'm sure they've had to do that many a time at your pores, lion, replied the unicorn through smiling but gritted teeth. But I'll remind you of who you're talking to. I'm a unicorn, not a gazelle. Okay, said the lion with a shrug. I've got nothing against gazelles, of course, the unicorn continued. I just don't happen to be one. Why, do you think you're better than your gazelle siblings? The lion unleashed this thought like a carefully placed arrow, knowing that it may take a few moments to judge whether it had hit its target. In fact, it landed squarely as intended almost instantly. No, of course not, the unicorn bristled irritably. They continued to pace in a circle, and the pace of their paws and their hooves began to gradually increase. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, least of all gazelles. I'm a unicorn. What it's like to be and live as a gazelle is nothing of my concern. It's okay to be ashamed of who you are, the lion said with mock kindness. I can really understand standing here as a lion before you how you would want to pretend you were something other than you are. Gazelles are the lion's prey. Everybody knows that. So you want to dress yourself up as something other than you are. To protect yourself. To escape reality. To live in a fantasy world that is more pleasing to you. I understand. The lion was really getting into its own fantasy now, and the unicorn no longer seemed at all as it had before, and the unicorn was becoming more and more irate and erratic in its pacing. But you have to face the facts the lion said, 
drawing back its bow again to land the fatal blow. You are a gazelle, and you will die as one. You don't get to make up the rules. That's just the way things are. If I will die, it'll be as a unicorn. The unicorn leapt at the lion across the space between them. The lion had been waiting for just this moment, and took the weight of the unicorn in its paws, rolling with its momentum onto the ground. The lion was now on top of the unicorn, and pinned it mercilessly to the earth below. The unicorn tossed and writhed under the lion's firm hold, but could not break free. It tried to use its horn to push the lion back, but the lion had one of its paws clasped across the unicorn's neck, and it could not get close enough without cutting off its own air supply. Not so useful without your horn now, are you? The lion cackled wickedly. Ah, so you admit to have a horn then? The unicorn struggled to say, laughing as it spluttered and wheezed under the pressure of the lion. Of course you do, replied the lion simply. All gazelles have horns. But I'm not a gazelle like I told you, the unicorn exclaimed with a heaving sigh. That's a gazelle over there. Nice try, growled the lion. As if I'm going to fall for the old look over there trick. You're finished, gazelle. Okay, fair enough. But if you really look over there, continued the unicorn, motioning off to the lion's left with its head, you'll see that there is in fact a gazelle over there. The lion paused for a moment, unsure of what to make of the unicorn's insistence. It wasn't pleading for mercy. It was acting in a strange way that the lion could not make sense of. Maintaining pressure on the unicorn's body, the lion tilted its head cautiously to the left. And there, at the edge of the clearing, lapping at the flow of water in the fast river running by, was a gazelle. This really was a gazelle, not the gazelle the lion had imagined in place of the unicorn. The lion was momentarily vexed, unable to quite trust its own eyes anymore. Sensing this, the unicorn with an almighty push heaved the lion off its torso and sped away into the forest. The gazelle drinking from the water's edge stood to attention in panic, and seeing the charging figure of what looked like a white-horned horse coming towards it shot off frantically between the trees. The lion, hurriedly rousing itself and leaping to its feet, let out a mighty roar and sprinted off after them. The forest whipped past, and the ground resounded with the pounding feet of the lion. It kept gaining and gaining in pace at an astounding rate, and the sight of the unicorn began to appear up ahead. The lion snorted victoriously, and pushed itself even further to the extremes of its strength and power to make up the final distance. The next clearing drew nearer and nearer, and the lion knew that the unicorn would be exposed and vulnerable. It would be the perfect place to bridge the last gap between them and pounce. But the unicorn had stopped. The lion was charging at such a speed that it could not react in time to grind to a halt safely. It lost balance and tripped on the trunk of a tree, sending it flying in a ball of windswept fur to land just behind the unicorn, who was now crouched on its hind legs, seemingly hiding from something. The lion reared its head indignantly, shook off the embarrassment of its arrival, and focused its vision to see what the unicorn was up to. It appeared to be watching some activity on the other side of the trees, taking place in the clearing just outside of the lion's line of sight. In spite of itself, of the grand effort it had taken to catch up with the unicorn, the lion sensed that something was not quite right here, that the unicorn was concealing itself from view for some reason. It drew a little closer and whispered to the unicorn, What's going on over there? What are you doing? The unicorn didn't turn its head and replied in a low whisper, The king of your land and the queen of my land are over there, with guards around them. I can't make out what they're saying though, they're too far away. The lion drew closer still. I can make out what they're saying. Let me crouch there, where you are now. The unicorn obliged unquestioningly, and the lion moved to the edge of the clearing, hunching low to remain out of view of any patrolling eyes. The sound of conversation started seeping through into the lion's hearing. There's agreed we will keep dominion over our own individual parts of the island. The king of the lion's land, which was known locally as Voxtatus, was saying, You will keep your own territories in Voxnova. To the inhabitants of each, it will seem as if nothing has changed. But as far as we're concerned, 
We are now entering into a personal union. We are governing the same land, the same island, you and I. It is one in our eyes. Agreed, replied the Queen of the Unicorn's Land. It would be much easier to be in complete control when we are on the same page. Imagine what it would be like if you had a free state in Voxtus and I had my state in Voxnova. Everyone would just emigrate over to your side, and I'd be left with nothing. Exactly. And that's what split the island in two in the first place, nodded the King in agreement. This is the only way we could keep the island together. We have to take control over the situation. We have to save the people from themselves. Agreed, said the Queen again. But what about the lion and the unicorn? One of them is sure to reappear soon enough, expecting their side to be victorious because they've won the battle for the crown. The two of them burst into riotous laughter, patting each other on the back at the thought. Oh yes, said the king, the battle for the crown. Well, if the lion comes back, we'll give the lion its hero's welcome. The old fool. Then we'll ship it off on holiday. Only we'll forget to arrange the return trip. Or maybe it gets lost at sea, or there's a shipwreck. Some mythical creature tore the ship's shreds, something like that. But the brave lion won't be forgotten. And the unicorn? The queen asked, chuckling. That's much simpler, I feel. The unicorn is a nuisance. We had a few on our side before they all ended up on your side. They just caused so much trouble. They made the horses and the gazelles feel less than. They were so high and mighty, thought they were so special, trying to make their voices heard and feel included. But what purpose could they actually serve anyone? I remember what they did with women around the world when they were more nuisance than they were worth. They burned them as witches at the stake. That ought to do for the plight of the unicorn. I hear they're pretty tasty, too. Marvellous! The queen clapped her hands. Besides, whoever heard of a unicorn, am I right? They both descended into roars of gleeful laughter, before signalling to their respective guards that it was time to go. They shook hands and went their separate ways, the queen back towards Voxnova, and the king on to Voxitus. The lion lay silently on the ground, taking in all that it had heard, and replaying it disbelievingly in its head. What did they see? The unicorn asked softly. It could tell from the lion's tense position, from the fact that it had not immediately leapt into a state of self-defense, that it was not good news. But not good news for who? How could it be bad news for both of them? This fight is a lie, the lion growled. We've been tricked. A lie? Tricked? What do you mean? The unicorn could see that the two parties up ahead were now out of sight, so unleashed the full force of its confusion. We were never fighting for the crown, the lion barked turning away from the clearing and pacing over to one of the trees where it slumped despondently. We've been used as a distraction. A distraction from what? The unicorn padded over to the lion and sat at its feet, looking expectantly at its downcast eyes. The lion looked very tired. From the betrayal of both our lands, spat the lion. Your queen and my king have agreed to unite the lands. The unicorn's eyes popped with joy and excitement. Why, that's excellent news. Never in my lifetime did I think I'd hear those words. Hold your horses, said the lion, raising its paws and regarding the unicorn sternly. And your ice cream cones. This is not the kind of union anyone on this island would have been hoping for. They are uniting the two lands of Voxitus and Voxnova so they can turn it into one giant dynasty, where the king and queen can do whatever they want, and no one anywhere on the island will be free. They have agreed to take away our freedom. Oh. The unicorn slumped back against another tree and stared blankly at the ground. Seeing only the depths of despair beneath it, the unicorn quickly regained its focus, refusing to give up so easily. We must fight them! The lion laughed bitterly. What? You and me? The two who were supposed to be fighting each other? Go back to the city of Juas and say to both sides, 
We were fighting, but now we have made up. And we're going to fight the king and the queen to save the whole island? They'd laugh us into the sea if they didn't kill us then and there for betraying both our lands. Yes, I fear that you're right, the unicorn replied, its enthusiasm dimming back to a state of panic. There's nothing we can do. It's over, the lion's eyes darkened. No one will believe us if we tell them the truth. They'll say we're trying to stop the glorious moment of the island finally being united again. We must leave the island. What? Leave the island? The unicorn was up on its feet again, steaming indignantly. There's no way I'm leaving the island. Everything and everyone I love and hold dear is here. I cannot abandon them, knowing what awaits them. The lion smirked bitterly. You're young. You'll make new friends, new opportunities. There's a whole other world out there, I'm sure. And what about you then, lion? Where will you go? What will you do? Do you not have anything here that's worth fighting for? The lion stared into the distance for a few moments, unblinking and silent. Yes, I do have things. People here that are worth sticking around for. But what use is an old lion to them? I'd just bring shame on them. I'd remind them of times of war, when they were entering into a new time of peace. At least, that's how it would seem to them. And to truly return to the fold, I'd have to kill you. And somehow, after listening to the king and the queen lay out their little plan, I can't bring myself to do that anymore. I can't even do the one thing I was celebrated for doing. So if I can't do that, what use am I to anyone? The lion's head sunk low to its chest, and the unicorn noticed for the first time a little silver in its proud red mane. It looked up and spoke into the unicorn's wide eyes. You should go, while you still have the chance. Go to the dock, find a boat and sail somewhere new. You'll forget any of this ever happened. The unicorn stared back into the lion's eyes. But I won't be able to forget you, lion. The lion turned its face away, its sad eyes too ashamed to take in the scene before them. That is, the unicorn continued, if you really exist. The lion let out an unexpected, uncontrollable belly laugh, lost its balance and fell to the floor. The unicorn joined in gleefully, letting all the panic and fear of the moment course from its veins and into each laugh that left its mouth. I'm starting to like you, said the lion composing itself on all fours again. Unicorn. I liked you from the start, said the unicorn. I'm sort of glad it's worked out this way. It would have been a shame to have had to kill you. Hey, who said you would have killed me? The lion was indignant but was chuckling under its breath. So what now then, lion? asked the unicorn. I will take you down to the dock, the lion replied. I know a way that will keep us out of sight of anyone. Then we'll wait for nightfall and set you off on your next adventure. And what about you? The unicorn stood on all fours, looking worried. I'll be fine, said the lion. Let's get moving. They moved quickly, but silently, keeping to the shadow of the trees, ducking behind the thick crops of undergrowth. At points, they had to scurry hurriedly for cover as they heard the sound of voices approaching. The lion would have leapt into the trees, but knew that the unicorn could not manage this, so always moved instinctively for the thickest protection on the ground that it could find. They were making fine progress, and the lion reckoned that in just another hour of travel, they would reach the edge of the docks. But then, to their horror, they came to another clearing and saw thick clutches of guards and soldiers blocking the way. Some of them were engaged in the chopping and felling of trees, and they watched motionlessly as their promise of cover fell trunk by trunk before their eyes. The unicorn recovered itself and whispered to the lion, I know another way through to the docks. Another way? 
The lion asked with surprise and a little outrage. Why didn't you mention this before? You seemed so sure of the best way to go, so I just trusted you, replied the unicorn. Plus, this was something of a secret place of mine. I would go there because no one else dared, and it was a way for me to escape and be on my own when things were too much. Okay, well then, we must take this path, the lion said with urgency. The unicorn, having thought the time it brought another into its secret place would be under very different circumstances indeed, agreed to take them there, knowing there was no other choice. The secret place was back into the forest a little way, so they moved as quickly and silently as they could, knowing that the guards and soldiers would be getting closer. Soon, they came to the sight of two trees bending over and meeting in the middle. There was a collection of leaves and branches in the space they created, but the closer the lion looked, he could see that they covered a large rock. What is this place? The lion asked. This leads to the underground caves, said the unicorn. Underground caves? You've got to be joking. No, they're as real as you or me, the unicorn replied and started moving the leaves and branches to one side. It's been a while since I've been here, so it could be a little stiff rolling the stone away. Will you help me? The lion agreed, and with a few firm pushes, the stone rolled away without much trouble. The unicorn motioned to the lion, but the lion, in spite of its growing trust in the situation it found itself in, said to the unicorn, You first. This is your place, after all. The unicorn shrugged and ducked its horned head to enter the caves. You pull the stone too after us then. The lion grunted sourly but did as it had been told, following after the unicorn and sealing them inside the underground caves. The cave was covered in a thick layer of darkness, with just a fragment of natural light escaping around the edges of the stone. How are we supposed to find our way through here? The lion huffed. Then, as if a light or a flame had been sparked in the darkness, the cave was fully illuminated, and the long, hunched, underground pathway stretching before them was revealed. The lion looked about in confusion for the sudden source of light. Then it saw it. The light was coming from the unicorn. In fact, it was coming from the unicorn's horn. Some ice cream corn, right? Said the unicorn with a chuckle. Come on, let's get moving. The further into the caves we go, the safer we'll be. The lion followed as the unicorn strode confidently through the cave, shining a guiding light as they went. The walls were thick with mud and tree roots to begin with, but soon smoothed into hard rock that was cold to the touch. They trekked for what seemed like hours, heading deeper and deeper, further and further down. The rock became darker in colour, and many shining crystals of all colours and textures could be seen. The lion, who had no idea of where they were going, did not complain or cry out in frustration. There was a trust beginning to grow between them. Soon, however, the unicorn found that they were lost. It must have taken a wrong turning at one of the forks in the pathway. Quite some time had passed since the unicorn had last walked the cave's intricate system of interlocking avenues, most of which looked identical to the next. I'm sorry, lion, the unicorn said tentatively, as the lion waited patiently after they'd come to a halt. But we're, we're lost. I, I can't figure out where we are. Ah, uh, okay, said the lion, trying to conceal its frustration. Where did you last know for sure we were on the right track? I, I, uh, the unicorn stammered. I can't remember. My mind is just going blank. It's, it's like it's full of dark clouds. I can't think of at all where to go next. Oh, I, I used to know these paths like the back of my hoof. The unicorn slumped on the floor up against the hard wall of the cave, head in its hooves. The lion huddled next to the unicorn, trying to reassure it. I'm sure you could find a way out. Like you said, you know this place so well. Just stay calm, it's alright. But it's not alright, the unicorn sulked. I should know exactly where I'm going. No one knows these caves better than me. And besides, I thought I'd be the one to take us to safety. And now I'm just letting you down. The unicorn hung its head in shame, and the lion patted its back reassuringly, 
whilst wondering what they were going to do now. If only there was some way, the unicorn moped into the ground, that someone could show us the way. Are there other creatures down here? Wondered the lion, though it felt sure it knew the answer. I've never seen any, the unicorn replied, trying not to cry. But I've sometimes felt a presence of something. I'm sure it was just my imagination. We are really all alone down here, and there's not even a clear way back. You called? A voice spoke firmly to them, and the lion and the unicorn shut up their heads to meet the electrifying gaze of a tall, slim figure. They were covered head to toe in a diamond red skin that resembled a whale's flesh, and their eyes shone piercingly bright like two bejeweled pomegranate seeds. Who are you? The lion and the unicorn asked in a gasped union. I am Garnet, the figure replied. I heal the wounds of those who are ready to move on to better things. I heard your call, though not in a language that you would understand. I see, said the unicorn, clambering clumsily to its hooves and wiping a stray tear from its eyes. So, you're sort of like an ambulance, an emergency service. In a way, yes, Garnet answered. And you've come to us because you think one of us is in trouble, in need of healing, the unicorn continued. Maybe I should wear a siren on my head in future, Garnet joked. No, that's okay, the lion interjected. We're starting to get the picture. Plus, your eyes are much nicer than a siren, the unicorn added. They're very striking, but also very soothing. Thank you, said Garnet, blushing, though it was hard to tell. How did you know to come? asked the unicorn. Because I felt your true vulnerability. You hit a block, you found yourself to be lost, and you didn't know where to turn. That is the language I speak, and so I came to be here with you. That's amazing! The unicorn cried joyfully. Yes, thank you, added the lion. So do you know the way out of the caves? No, I don't, said Garnet bluntly. What? You don't know the... Then why did you come at all? The lion was furious with disbelief. Like I told you, I felt that you needed help, and so I came, Garnet persisted. Well, that's all very well and good, but what use was it coming if you don't know the way? Because the unicorn does, Garnet returned calmly. And I am here to help the unicorn. I'm sure there's some things I could help you with, lion. But you did not ask me, so I am merely here to help the unicorn. The lion sucked in its tongue sourly and saw that it was time to sit on its pride. The unicorn stepped towards Garnet, still dazzled by the piercing scarlet shimmer of its gaze. Unicorn, you know these paths, these caves, like the back of your hoof. Garnet spoke to the unicorn. Yes, yes I do, the unicorn willingly agreed. Or at least, usually I I do. Why did you forget? How did you lose your way? Garnet asked the unicorn. I don't know, I, uh, I knew where we were going to begin with. It all came back to me so quickly. I'd never actually been all the way to the sea via the caves, but I knew how to get there. But the further we went, the more doubt came into my mind. How could I leave Multivos? What would I be if I left? All I've ever been is an outcast unicorn, so how could I break away and start something new? What more could I be than what I already am here? And the lion? What would become of the lion if I left? Perhaps the lion is now the only creature I have here who understands what it feels like to be me, to no longer be wanted, to no longer feel useful. So I felt I couldn't go anywhere, that I would ultimately just turn back, because what more can I be than all I've been my life here on Multivos, which is nothing. And I felt I couldn't go anywhere, because then I would be leaving the lion all alone. The lion says that it'll all be fine, but I know that's not true. That's the lion hiding something from me. I can't desert you, lion. The lion couldn't hold the unicorn's gaze and stared blankly at the opposite wall of the cave, pretending to be enchanted by a sapphire blue crystal. And that's when you felt you lost your way, Garnet said, when you felt that you couldn't go where you were being asked to go. 
that the only way to go was the path you'd already walked, back, out of the caves, and to the life you'd led before. Yes, yes, I guess that's it, the unicorn agreed, starting to tear up again. But you knew too that there is no life left for you back above ground, in Multiverse, if you don't make some kind of change, Garnet continued. Yes, the unicorn said, sniveling. And you did not want to leave your friend behind, because you know that there is no life for them there either, Garnet added. Yes, the unicorn said with a modest smile. So, you see how there are no roadblocks, Garnet said kindly, casting an arm to their left and then to their right. Both ends of the pathway stood completely clear. And you see how they are the same paths you have always known. The unicorn looked to its left and saw a projection of itself from perhaps a decade ago, sat up against the wall, singing softly to itself. The lion and the unicorn were fighting for the crown. The lion beat the unicorn all around the town. The lion seemed not to have seen or heard anything, but it was crystal clear in the mind of the unicorn, and it felt so sorry for its younger self in that moment. But it felt great gratitude too, as through the younger unicorn's mind map of the caves, it became instantly clear to the unicorn where to go. The way to the sea unfolded perfectly before them once again. Yes, I see it, I see it in my mind now, the unicorn cried, and the lion leapt to its paws. It was always there, Garnet said softly. You just weren't sure of where you needed to go anymore. Garnet gazed at them both with their mesmerizing eyes. And now I must go, too. Thank you, Garnet. Thank you so much. The unicorn beamed. Yes, thank you, added the lion politely. If you ever feel you've lost your way again, Garnet said, all you need to do is ask. Be truly vulnerable, and I will appear to protect you, to help guide you. And with those final words, Garnet vanished. But not entirely. Two small red stones tumbled from the air and fell upon the sandy path. The lion stepped over to look at them. Why, those are two precious stones, the lion said, not quite believing its eyes. They look just like Garnet's eyes, said the unicorn with wonder. We must take them with us. How? The lion wondered bluntly, staring at the unicorn. We don't have pockets. Yes, I know that, retorted the unicorn. But we can hold them about our necks. Here, take some of the hair from my sides. The lion, unsure of itself, obliged and passed a pawful of impossibly smooth white unicorn hairs to the unicorn. The unicorn fashioned them into two necklaces, threaded a few strands around each stone, and hung the stones from the necklaces. The unicorn passed one around the lion's neck, and the lion obliged for the unicorn. There, the unicorn said triumphantly. What a nice surprise! And I know where we're going again! Let's get going! The unicorn sped off excitedly along the pathway, and the lion sprung into motion to try to keep up. The lion called after the unicorn as they moved through the caves at great speed. What are we going to do? Are we still going to the sea? Yes, we are! The unicorn shouted back. Okay, well, what are we going to do when we get there? The lion bellowed. I don't know! Cried the unicorn. They continued to race breathlessly through the narrow caves. The unicorn didn't know quite what was compelling it to move so determinedly onwards, but it knew for sure where it was going. It wouldn't be a great deal longer if the unicorn's memory served it well until they reached the opening to the caves that overlooked the sea. The unicorn could see it fresh in its mind's eye and smiled to itself. The lion continued to follow rapidly after it, trusting the unicorn knew what it was doing. At the turn of a corner, a twisted root pointed out of the cave's wall and the unicorn didn't see it. Its leg clipped the root and sent the unicorn flying. The lion didn't have time to react and collided with the unicorn as it stumbled. They both went flying along the cave's pathway, coming to a rest in a great heap. They had both been knocked unconscious. After a few moments, the shadow of a figure in a long black and grey cloak came to rest over them. To be continued. This podcast is supported via Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash drodge, that's D-R-O-D-G-E, you can support the podcast 
and you can find out how to get involved in this evolving community around all that is, was, and maybe gender. Gender. Drodgecast is a production by Barosh Voices for Drodge. A label without labels.